Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. I think it's good to ask now and again, what's the state of our athletics? What's the state of our women's? athletics today there's a reason we asked that question national girls and women in sports day is tomorrow uh, so we're going to look at that today kind of how women's sports have come how far it's come and maybe what's left on the horizon there montana state university bobcat women's head coach trisha binford joining us today also uh she's a former WNBA player like greta bueller who's with the Montana High School Association. A bit later on, too, Mike Erickson is going to join us. He is in charge of athletics and activities at Lockwood High School and been doing that job for 17 years in Montana. That today, State of Women's Athletics on Voices of Montana. And what a great list of guests we have here. Very appreciative of... uh, both Trisha Binford being here and also Greta Bueller. Let's welcome uh, head coach Trisha Binford from uh, Montana State University. Uh, Trisha, good morning. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I know uh, your, your team is uh, pretty, uh, you know, 13 and 10 overall and uh, putting some pieces together, 9 and 1 at home. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to say hello to uh, Greta Bueller as well. Greta Bueller, a former Lady Grizz player, also played in the WNBA in its inaugural season and and uh, coached at Billings West and now with the Montana High School Association uh, assistant director there. Good morning, Greta. What's going on? Uh, not much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys being here. Mike Erickson to join us here a bit later on. Uh, Coach Binford. Well, the winningest uh, coach in history for Montana State University and the longest tenured coach there as well. Appreciate you, you being here. As we talk about women in sports, um, we go back to, well, your playing days, Colorado Player of the Year. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it, It's a few years ago, so I won't mention that. Um, also played in the WNBA and, and head coaching for the longest time. When, when I ask the question about where is women in sports, what's the status of women's athletics today, what comes to mind? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is opportunity. Uh, both when Greta and I played in college, the WNBA had not started yet. And so that began kind of after uh, we graduated. And last night, Love and Basketball was on the TV as I was watching film. And, and I put it on in the background. And, you know, my husband, like, he's like, he couldn't remember the movie. I'm like, this is kind of the exact same time frame of, you know, the transition of uh, professional opportunities for women. So I, I think opportunities and I think uh, there's just how girls are growing up nowadays and what they get to look at their forefront with Gigi Watkins and Kaylin Clark. I'm like, there's there's a lot of great things to think about for women's athletics. Yeah. Greta, your, your initial thoughts on that, too. Well, I would echo that. I mean, I just think the opportunity and even the exposure is so much better. I mean, we had games on TV, but not every game in college seems to be on TV. You can find it. You can other sports as well. You know, there's just a lot more um, exposure that girls can see and pick out heroes that they emulate. How did it, how did it get to, to this point? Well, you know, it's always the pioneers that start it, right? So um, here at Montana State, we have a Ellen Craigbaum. She was the first collegiate coach here at Montana State. She's the president of our fast break club and Jenny Hunt, 
was the senior uh, women's athletic director here, and they both kind of pushed the needle and they demanded things to be better for women's opportunities. But, you know, those stories are everywhere. Uh, There's a lot of dads that have made pushes and, you know, it's just, it's, it's more of people um, reaching out and, and getting out there and uh, making sure things were equal for women as much as they were the boys. Great. I'm going to ask you kind of the same question, but um, with your background growing up in Malta, Montana, Malta was uh, very much uh, a basketball town, so to speak. Um, how did we get here to exposure and more opportunity from, I suppose, those backyard rims uh, that you both were playing on back then? Well, it, I think it's just a progression of time is that as people got opportunity, they ran with it. And then you know, the next generation sees that and they, you know, push for bigger, better, more. And, uh, you know, I had girls that I looked up to from my high school and even, you know, some of the college players in Montana when I was coming up. And then I think that just transitions to then you become that role model for the next group. And, and it just kind of balloons from there. And, you know, we obviously Trish and I have a basketball background, but that's happening in some of the other sports uh, in this state as well. So I think it's just kind of a progression of time is that people have stepped out, have done well, have gone ahead and done, done things. And then people see that. And then it just keeps going. That's again, Greta Bueller, uh, Montana, High School Association, assistant director there, and, of course, uh, former Lady Grizz, 93 to 97. I guess I wasn't going to give those years out, but there, there they are. They're uh, in print all over the place. Um, and, uh, you know, former Colorado Player of the Year as well for MSU's Trisha Binford, and uh, she's been the head coach there since 2005. Very successful program. Um, kind of go back to those playing days, uh, Coach Binford, if you would, and, and maybe, you know, those, those opportunities and that exposure then – it wasn't necessarily there, but I think both of you two uh, were in the early part of the WNBA. And as you noted a little while ago, that has taken off, especially over the, the last few years. Um, what what was the state like, um, you know, back, you know, a number of years ago in uh, for women's athletics? Well, the, the game was exciting back then. The game was great back then. Um, I was at Boise State uh, playing against Greta, and they had to get noisy for Boise. Um, the gyms were, were packed. Uh, you know, when I think about uh, Dahlberg Arena over there, and uh, at the time it was the Boise State Pavilion, you know, we had our largest crowd um, back then was for a women's game, and it was hosting Montana when we were both nationally ranked, and I think we had 11,000 people at that game, and you know, I think uh, as social media has come along, uh, that's helped with some of the exposure of seeing, like, this game's really exciting. These teams are really fun to watch. Uh, girls are having a lot of fun playing all the different sports. I'm like, as Greta said, as this continues to progress, I'm like, early in this fall when you're seeing, you know, a volleyball match in a stadium uh, in Nebraska being a sellout. I'm like the exposure of social media, I think, has helped advance and tell some of the stories of some of these amazing athletes. And there's just amazing athletes in every field. And, you know, the social media has an opportunity to promote that. I had totally forgotten about that game, Trisha. I, I remember that. The, you both were nationally ranked at the time, Boise State and Montana. Um, and Gre- did you both play in that game? Greta, did you play in that game? Yeah. Yep. I was in some of the get noisy for Boise games and they were a lot of fun. I mean, the 
like Tricia said, the stadiums were, the arenas are pretty full. They're raucous crowds and Lady Grizz crowds were that way anyway. But for that game, it was especially fun. And, um, you know, so I think we were kind of fortunate that we had that atmosphere. It wasn't true for all of the women's teams. And I think that is getting better um, across the board as well. So that's kind of cool. Well, I think Coach Binford uh, can, can note that as well. Your guys has attendance over the, uh, you know, the, the past 15 years or so that you've been there um, has risen dramatically. L- let me ask you, how important is that when you're recruiting? Well, gosh, it's huge. I'm like, we, it, as Greta said, it's not like that everywhere. I mean, when we go in the big sky, uh, us in Montana definitely lead in the attendance still. Um, so, you know, you can go to a lot of places and hear a pin, pin drop. So, you know, we want to make sure that continues to grow everywhere. There's just, there's a lot of other things to do. So you definitely have to make an effort at it for your community to see what the product is and who the people are. And I think, uh, you know, one of the benefits of our two schools is, you know, in the state of Montana is it's going to be filled every time. And so that is a little bit unique, but nationally the trend is growing. It's advancing. The attendance is increasing. And um, I think what we need to continue hitting on are some of these stories, you know, empowering these, these women and their stories of what they do off the court and in the other sports of how they're balancing being a full-time student athlete. There's just a lot of stories to continue telling. And so that's where I go back to, the social media certainly helps, but getting out into your communities, you really got to engage that to get them to know your student athletes. Share a story with us then, Coach Benford, about maybe one of your players and, and, and maybe, yeah, yeah do. <laughs> well, um, I remember Ashley Van Sickle was a student athlete for us and she was a fifth year and people didn't realize she was doing her student teaching while she was doing a full-time schedule and traveling with the team. And so she would, Every Sunday, she would put together her schedule for the week and tell us, you know, the times that she's doing her student teaching. We would actually come in and train her after our practices. So she would usually do hers between like six and eight in the evening. She would do her lifts in the evening, sometimes balance those out over the weekend. And so everybody had to kind of adjust their schedules to make it work for her student teaching. You know, she would go do her schedule report at a different time and you know, that um, that ability to be a full-time student athlete uh, kind of just takes a whole nother level when you're a certain certain major. We had the same situation with Tori Martell, who was a nursing uh, student for us, uh, was doing her clinicals. And I just think uh, these resilient young ladies or young women um, in all the different sports, how they're managing their time and organizing this to still go out and compete on a very elite level when you're traveling five to six to seven states and changing time zones. It's pretty remarkable. I want to ask a question, and, and uh, I, I think because you may seem sexist on the front, but um, the question is how does the team and coaches um, use the event of motherhood as an asset uh, to, to athletics? I think some would think of it as a distraction. It's another burden, I think. Um, and, and Greta and, and, and Trisha, both you guys are, are mothers and, and, and uh, maybe uh, understand sort of that draw or that pull. Um, it, first from the college level, Trisha, it, is it different? How do you use it as an asset instead of maybe what others might view it as? Well, I don't know if I would say I'm using it as an asset. I think uh, just when we made the decision to take this job here as a family, my husband and and I decided we would not separate the two just because you don't want to have a tug of war. Um, Obviously, I I want to, 
be a great wife and be a great mom. And so we were going to just include this team as our family. And so what it does is it gives the, the student athletes, our kids, an opportunity to see um, what it looks like, you know, to be a mom, to be a spouse and how you balance those things. And we have them over for dinner. They're just seeing you, you're kind of breaking bread, to, so to speak, together and living life together. And so we just want to shed that light on, you know, that uh, as far as them becoming part of our family. Um, I think that's just your, your daily walk is the, the best that you can lead, the best that you can live it. Um, it shows your human side. You're obviously none of us are going to be perfect. Uh, but I think it's just your vulnerability of being present um, for the people that you're going to be walking life with. Oh, thank you for that. Greta, you want to respond to that? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's it's good. You know, like Trisha has created such a great family atmosphere at MSU because of that, like she's talking about, the, including the whole family. And I think that's good for girls and other people to see um women coaches or players or whatever that have families and being able to balance having kids and, you know, managing time and, and still putting family first and, you know, that stuff's important. And so being a model to show that I think is good for young people. And then on the flip side, when you're raising kids and they're getting to run around the gym, I mean, I think that's a great opportunity for your own kids selfishly. It's a good environment to have them be raised in so i i think it's a it's a good thing it can be a very challenging situation when you're trying to deal with time and travel and priorities but um obviously trisha's doing a great job and there are a lot of um moms that model that as well and i do love seeing kids run around the gym we'll have uh, athletic director activities director mike erickson a bit later on we'll focus more on the high school as we're talking about women in sports today uh tomorrow again it's national girls and women in sports day um trisha binford head coach of the msu uh, bobcats i wanted to have you talk about because um tom schultz (laughs) we get confused all the time but he's um uh, one of your sports information people over there and a great guy just i love your staff over there um, talked about something that you guys started in 2018, a shadow program for girls. And there was a nice um, a video as well that was available. Uh, talk about what, talk about your team. Tell us how the Bobcats are doing right now. And then uh, what you guys uh, are maybe doing special. So when you're talking about the team, you're talking about this, uh, this event that we have coming up with uh, Dan sports. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you, okay. and, and tell me how your team's doing too. I mean, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, this uh, it's such a great event. It was started by Bethany Cordell, um, and uh, our marketing department always has just really, really powerful events to um, engage with our community. Uh, we feel like that's very important. Um, but as this started, they have kind of just reached out to kids in the community that would be interested in shadowing a different position. So. Um, we've, we've had young ladies, uh, on the headset with our, our radio voice, our voice of the cats, um, assisting and doing some commentary there, obviously, uh, you know, at the scorers table, there's, uh, some kids, uh, for that day and even doing the starting lineup. Um, we've had kids interviewing me after games, um, all these young ladies, just, they get to kind of shadow it for a day to see what it would look, be, be like in some different roles and some different hats that make the game atmosphere go. So I just think it's a, it's a really fun event. It's a powerful event and, um, it's continued to grow every year in regards to our team. 
this has been maybe one of the the biggest trials of any year out of uh, 19 seasons here as far as the injuries we've kind of been working through. Um, it's been an emotional year as far as um, the losses uh, for season ending um, on our team, but also the joys of kids rising to the occasion and stepping up and, and choosing to re- uh, focus on what we can control in the situation. And this might be one of the most resilient uh, groups of uh, athletes and teams I've ever coached. They're very close. Um, they've been working on their chemistry since last spring. And then we brought in a lot of uh, younger uh, players into the season. And every day I feel like we're getting better. I feel like we're staying in the present. And um, yeah, it's been extremely rewarding and it's been challenging at the same time. And uh, they keep us young, and it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. A four-game winning streak. Uh, that includes two road games, Eastern Washington and Idaho. That's a nice sweep. Got Northern Colorado Thursday. That's February 8th at 7 o'clock at home for Montana State University and head coach Trisha Binford. Uh, good luck, Coach. I appreciate you joining us here today as well. Um, and, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds great. Uh, thanks for having me. We have with us Greta Bueller. She's a, a Montana High School Association mhsa.org for more information. I go there all the time. Assistant director there and, and does a lot of basketball. Talked uh, earlier from Malta, former Lady Grizz as well, and she spent one season in the inaugural year of the WNBA and then uh, coached as well at Billings West. Uh, Greta, Mike Erickson will be joining us here in just a little bit. Um, I, I appreciate your time. Let's just go back and brag a little bit about Trisha Binford. That might be hard for you because uh, you guys were <laughs> rivals, so to speak, and now she's head coach at Montana State University. But, um, you know, a- a- academically, athletically, uh, she has risen the level of that program. And I, and I know that um, as you competed with her as a, as a competitor yourself, I'm sure you appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she she was a great player, and now she's obviously a, a great coach and you know, yeah, it's the Bobcats and I'm a, a Grizz through and through, but um, I certainly respect everything that she's done in that program and, um, you know, the reputation that she and her players have is is great. So it, it I have nothing but respect and, and all that for her. Do you think it's more difficult for women in sports um, at, at the head coaching position or, or what's what's different about it? What's challenging about it? For a woman being a head coach? Yeah, and woman in sports as well. I mean, when you were playing um, in Malta, I suppose you you probably uh, took some of the uh, gentlemen in your community to the woodshed a time or two. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, what what's different? Is it different? Um, I, I mean, it probably is different. I probably had a, uh, maybe a different experience than a lot of people, um, other girls in that I was raised in a community where girls sports, especially basketball was a big deal. Um, the program was successful. Um, the tradition was there. And then you go to the lady Grizz and, you know, we have big crowds and we have our own brand, so to speak, and we're well known. And it, you know, so I guess maybe I didn't have some of the issues personally where girls are toying away with nobody watching or, you know, they're in the shadow of the boy sometimes. But uh, I think that is getting better that, you know, there's more women coaching. There's more um, girls participating in a lot of these things. So, you know, I, I, maybe there are challenges. I guess I don't necessarily look at that. It, you know, there's a challenge for every coach, whether it's boys or girls sports. And so 
Um, it, uh, maybe I'm not the right person to ask because I maybe had a little bit of a more um, to a guided tour. tour? Yeah, 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 maybe yeah. you know it was just. But I mean, I can see the issues. But again, now that we have some of these big names, you know, it started with Pat Summit in basketball. She was yeah. one of the best coaches ever, right? And so she's paving the way for other women's coaches and. So I, I, I'm sure there are some issues with it, but and there's just a lot of really good coaches, male and female. How have the facilities improved? Have they? Are, are they're generally the same, but but not always. And I remember over the years, um, locker rooms were always sort of an issue at, at different places. Well, I, I mean, it's hard to, for me to speak because I haven't been in a lot of the locker rooms in the college facility for a long time. Um, I think there is some of that to some degree, but there are strides being made. You know, I know they're looking even at the Lady Grizz. They're doing a locker improvement project for them. Um, You know, so they're going to get some improved facilities. And then sometimes when you improve facilities in general, that helps the women, right? You have a better um, conditioning, waiting conditioning facility that the women get to use that. It helps them. The high school level, I, I think it's probably pretty standard you know that facilities are what they are for boys and girls so you know obviously title nine has helped in that you can't just focus on boys Mm -hmm. and that's been that way for a while so now i think it's probably the girls just don't have to deal with as poor facilities as maybe they had to you know 20 30 years ago and, and Title IX is something, um, well, it, it goes back a number of years. I guess I can't exactly remember. It's probably 25, 30 years now or maybe even more, right? Um, Title IX? Yeah. I think Title IX has been 50, 50 probably. 50 years? Oh, don't. Over 50. Uh, don't, don't say it. Um, I, I remember that coming in as well. And, and um, let me, because we're going to talk more about um, the high school scene here in just a little bit. Got a minute left in this. Um, when, when you look at challenges still left for women in sports, so to speak, does something come to mind? Well, I think, you know, like the high school level and, and maybe even to some degree the upper levels is that the girls maybe aren't participating as much, you know, the percentage of girls participating at high school is less than the boys, you know, so I think maybe that would be the challenge is getting more to participate. And, you know, I think the opportunities are better at upper levels um, and the number of opportunities, but, you know, just starting at the younger levels, you want kids competing, girls competing in sports. And so we want to try to work at getting more girls doing that. And there's more um, activities out there as well for women uh, and and girls, especially at the high school level. We're talking about flag football. We're talking about uh, women's or or girls wrestling. And so that's on the stage. We're talking about the state of women's athletics today, national girls and women in sports days tomorrow. They've been around for about 50 years, just like Title IX. Uh, It's hard to go back that far, but I do recall um, a lot of changes coming about because of that. And and just checking the status today and maybe we where we are on the horizon. It's been great to catch up with um, Assistant Director for the Montana High School Association, Greta Bueller, former uh, Emmett, former Lady Grizz as well, did play in the WNBA, a two-time first-team All-Big Sky selection. She was a Big Sky 
MVP, and also an MVP in many parts around Montana, Lockwood High School Activities Director Mike Erickson. I think fourth year at Lockwood, 17 years overall, coached in Wolf Point, uh, kind of grew up in the Vita and went to school in Circle and uh, all those years um, as, as an activities director. Say hello again, or, or first, hello, Mike. Mike, how's it going? Great, great. Glad, uh, glad to be a part of it. Uh, thanks for giving me the phone call. I, I appreciate you being here as well, and uh, you're with Greta Bueller. Uh, I suppose you guys know each other because you're running the same circles, huh? Well, I guess we're Highline kids, up uh, originally from up on the Highline. So um, Greta's a lot older than I am, So, but I, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, there's it's pretty tight when you get up into the northeast part of Montana. You kind of know everybody, grow up with everybody, follow everybody. Uh, so, yeah, I've known Greta for quite some time. You're still mad because she rejected your junk. Uh, yeah. One day right. on the court. Uh, yeah, I know it. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, Greta, let's talk about um, how the high school association um, approaches some of these new activities for girls. And I'm, I'm excited about flag football. How, how are the, the coaches and the girls taken to it? Well, the schools that are participating in girls' flag football love it. Um, and, and Mike can speak to that mm-hmm. because Lockwood's doing it. And they have, have some great stories of, you know, the girls that are participating. Um, it, it's kind of getting going. It's considered an emerging sport right now um and schools are signing up i think there are five and potentially will be some more for next year but you know the the numbers and the opportunity for the kids that are getting to do it it's been a real positive for sure yeah you know i I guess uh, when girls like football came out we missed it by one year i just didn't know enough about it as an activities director um uh, so Took a year, kind of saw where it was at, um, the movement that it had behind it, and uh, I just jumped in uh, the second year of, of it running. And, you know, the Atlanta Falcons with the Arthur Blank Foundation um, is funding the whole thing to get it off and running. They started it in Atlanta probably five, six years ago, and um, down in that area there's like 200 uh, schools uh, with girls flag football, and it's also a sanctioned sport within their state. Right now, we're a non-sanctioned sport. Like Greta said, it's an emerging sport. But uh, the opportunity for kids, for girls, to play a sport that realistically they could only play at recess, PE, family reunions, barbecues, uh, you know, to go out there and put a, uh, a uniform on and to throw the football was absolutely amazing. It, it opened up so many eyes of what girls can do um, in really a predominant male sport. And so uh, it was a huge success. We put a sign-up sheet, started with about six or seven kids on the sign-up sheet, uh, ended the year with 22 girls. Uh, I would expect we'd probably have 40 go out next year um, as well as it, I mean, as it took off, it just caught so much momentum. And, and again, I think the, the, the game of football is, like I said, predominantly male. And for our girls to learn and understand the game of football, what a first down is, what a penalty is, um, was absolutely amazing to see that in, in their eyes after we, uh, start our games for the first couple of weeks uh, in these jamboree settings. So it was, it was a huge, huge positive uh, outburst for our school. And I think we're, it's here to stay for Lockwood high school. Greta, do you hear that story, a similar story when you talk about how many schools are, are doing flag football right now? I, I, th- I think this is something that's going to kind of uh, 
explode here in Montana, really, once to, because it's, it is a, an action-packed game. But uh, what, is that a similar story to what you've heard already? Yep. I mean, every school, and I think there were five that did it this last year, they, nothing but positive stories. Everybody that's involved with it speaks very highly of it, um, you know, from the coaches to the administrators. So, you know, Kalispell, both schools are doing it, Butte, St. Ignatius, and then Lockwood. Um, so, uh, yeah, expected it's going to, the numbers at those schools will increase, but then hopefully we'll get more schools that are participating and girls that are getting to get involved in flag football because flag football is growing nationwide. It's now an Olympic sport. So, you know, it's something that girls are going to be able to see some professional and, you know, very skilled players playing it. You you would have killed at that sport. I think, I think you'd have been a quarterback, right? Uh, sure. In my mind, yeah, I would have been, yeah, but yeah. I would have, it would have been a fun sport to you, play. For I me. think you would have, I think you'd have, you'd have killed in that one. Um, Greta Bueller, once again, uh, Malta area and assistant uh, director with Montana high school association, Mike Erickson with us too. Uh, Mike, as an activities director, um, do you have to encourage girls, women, maybe differently than some of the boys? You know, really you don't. I I think the fact is, is, is we've been behind the eight ball for so long and overlooked uh, the female side of things. Um, It's been again, like a male predominant, um, type of atmosphere that it seems like growing up in the 80s, 90s, that the girls just followed in. Um, they just kind of followed the males' leads and the sports leads of all the current sports those schools had. But right now, I think the pendulum has changed. Uh, it's it's a topic of discussion anytime we sit down as athletic directors and and it's always what can we do for the girls is it going such as game times uh such as the same amount of uh opportunities uh so really it's it's just part of our conversation anymore and when you give the girls an opportunity such as wrestling girls flag football um they jump on it. It's amazing um, that the numbers and, and the kids and the, the hype. I'll give you an example. When we put girls flag football in our first day of school here at Lockwood this year, we introduced all of our uh, fall sports teams. When we introduced the girls flag football team, the student section, the student body stood up and gave them a round of applause. Wow. And I mean, that was boys, girls, uh, teachers, uh, so, you know, I think there is this natural movement of what can we do for girls? And it's the only right, it's the right thing to do is to make sure that they are taken care of just like the boys have for the last 50, 60 years. Greta, what's the Montana High School Association's role in all of that? Well, basically we just kind of try to support the schools in offering sports and other activities to their students and, you know, kind of the rules enforcers to some degree, but just providing resources to help with uh, um, enacting and uh, allowing students to participate in education-based activities. So, uh, you know, we work with the schools and, you know, but ultimately it's the schools that offer the sports and and all of that. So, you know, they, they take the majority of the work of providing these opportunities for girls and kids in general. And, and we just try to support that and help and the best that we can. And Mike, you, you would kind of, 
I guess, understand the role of launching sports because you you launched into Lockwood High School. You're very successful at Hardin High School. I think eight eight state titles um, in your last four years there. What's it like? I've always been curious about that. What's it like launching a, a new high school? You couldn't play varsity for a little while. Some other sports did have varsity. And uh, and now you're just, I mean, you're embracing uh, flag football. You're embracing uh, girls wrestling. Yeah, you know, it, it was a unique situation being here at Lockwood with all sports, of the timing of everything. Obviously, when you get here, brand new school, we slowly emerged into the MHSA varsity level. And it was one of those things where you just kind of sat back. What I did is you sat back and you looked at basically our knowledge our, uh, of the game, where our student athletes were at that time, um, such as football. We stayed out an extra year of football because we had no seniors. And a majority of our kids were freshmen and sophomores that were coming along that realistically got their first two years of real training in the practice, understanding the game, the concepts. And so I held us out for an extra year um, just because I did not want to put freshmen and sophomores up against uh, seniors in the Eastern A. So I felt like that was very healthy. I know some people thought, what are you doing? You're missing opportunities for colleges and playing time and things like that. But, you know, you just kind of shoot from the hip honestly, and you go with it. And I guess I've got a pretty proactive mindset that when you do something, we're going to be all in, doing it the right way, making sure all our T's are crossed, I's are dotted. Uh, actually talk with our coaches and say, okay, are you ready to make this jump? Um, wrestling was a, a, a little bit different situation because honestly, as we all know, girls have wrestled boys for as long as wrestling's been around. They had that opportunity and as big as AAU wrestling is, those girls are wrestling continuous throughout the year since they've been probably sixth graders. Lockwood High School Activities Director Mike Erickson is with us. He's been uh, associated with high schools ever since getting out of one uh, almost in 17 years as an AD. And Montana High School Association Assistant Director Greta Bueller here. Just a few minutes, Mike. Uh, you guys also got into um, girls wrestling. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a situation where you sit down with the coaches and you talk about uh, the opportunity of girls wrestling, and um, it was a no-brainer for us. We have a AAU program out here that had high numbers of female athletes uh, in it, and uh, so we embraced it when it came upon, and we just jumped right in, and now now I think we're sitting at like 20 girls wrestlers um, out of 55 total wrestlers that we have, uh, so it's been a a huge, uh, huge bonus for us to get our female athletes involved. And I, it's amazing how, how many girls that have never wrestled. We had four girls that have never even wrestled that just jumped in because they wanted to be a part of something this year. So it was unique to see it in that manner too. Greta, what, what's the status across the state? Typically we're around um, for all girls in all sports and that doesn't, we're not separating out the three sport or four sport athletes, but there's about 14,000 girls that are participating. And, um, you know, the flag we already talked about girls wrestling each year that we've had, it has just grown and grown and grown. So, you know, they're looking at having different classifications right now. They all wrestle against each other, but at some point because of the numbers growing, um, that will have to be looked at. So it, it's been a real uh, good thing 
for girls to have that opportunity and they're taking advantage of it. Is there is there something the high school association does to kind of kickstart some of these programs in some of these schools? No, not really. I mean, we the sport gets sanctioned and then it's offered and, you know, the schools decide if they're going to offer it. And then, you know, we put on the tournaments, um, the state tournaments and, and do some of that work behind the scenes, but really it's the people like Mike and the other athletic directors and school administrators, coaches that really kind of get these programs going and, and get their kids involved. And, and so we're kind of the background. It's the people boots on the ground in the schools. I think that really get the participation. Mike, and not enough time for a full answer on this one, but um, you had some resources available to, and I'm talking human resources that um, they were willing as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's something you got to always piece together. It's not that we just want to find warm bodies. You want to find quality people. So when you add these sports, you really got to dissect, is the timing right? Are we having everything in line to, to be successful, to put our kids in the right spot? And, and again, like Greta says, once it's sanctioned, now you come back as a school and say, okay, financially, can we do this? Then you put a sign-up sheet and saying, okay, how many kids are going to be available to do this or want to do this? Sometimes you put studies out there within a school and say, okay, here's some things that are offered. Would you be interested? So you kind of just utilize your student body. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. And join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana on local stations all across Montana.